This episode has been sponsored by MapHook. Welcome to the show. I'm Genesee. And I'm Tinzian. And this is Death Before Dishonor. Today is Sunday, July 24th, and this is episode 11 in a weekly series following a group of friends playing Dungeons and Dragons, hosted by the Gray Area Podcast and featuring members of the Geek Bits Podcast. This will be a special episode where we summarize where we are in the story and talk about our character development thus far. Let's go over the players at this time, and then Tizian can tell us the story. Starting with Bortum Dragonheart, played by Eric Kuldrar Droth, who was introduced when he was trampled by our resident minotaur and found bound and gagged in a barn. His bio reads, Born of incredibly rich elven merchants, Bortum sought a different path as he explored the depths of Arcana. His parents did not approve of this endeavor, and a traumatic accident sent Bortum packing cut off from his former wealth and leaving him to seek his fortune on his own merits. His lofty upbringing gives him an air of superiority that almost certainly comes off as rude and arrogant, but his control of sorcerer's powers make him a formidable ally to have in battle. He's interested in gold and making a name for himself now that he has no family connections. At the end of episode 9, he was accused of causing a fire in a town close by to Winterhaven and taken by the Alkalites for questioning, thus leaving the party. Now, on to the main core characters. We came upon them all in Winterhaven, which is a trading village where their individual quests converged in a church at the center of town. Daros Nightwalker, who is played by Dan, is an undead revenant that has one purpose in life, to find the thieves that slaughtered his family and left them dead. Thanks to the Raven Queen, he's come back from death, and he now moves from town to town, trying to find information about the men who did this to him. He's elven in race, is an honorable rogue, and has begun to form an alliance with our giant of our party. His rational advice and even-tempered manner have kept him out of trouble with his rival Kurik. Kurik, played by Matt, is an elven ranger who has come into the area seeking the destroyers of his village and family, which was a roving tribe of revenants, and he seeks their obliteration. He spotted Daros in town and is following him, hoping he will lead to others and find out who did this. He was captured early in the show and rescued by the party, although Daros was the one who retrieved him from the dungeon of Kobolds. He is young and just learning his skills, and is often teased by his about his elven senses, which have been known to fail him at inopportune times. Daros and he came to an understanding in episode 9, and are attempting to maintain a detente as we quest onward. Bosk Stonelord, played by Opie, is a mighty Goliath raised in the heart of the northern mountains. Bosk is a true warrior at heart. His skill and size make him a true leader of soldiers. Bosk will take his skills and apply them to the passion of finding the true story of what happened to his parents and his people. He's been raised by the Dwarven Stone Clan and brings his knowledge of weapons and armor to his enemies, slaying all who oppose him and protecting those who befriend him, most notably Daros, who respects his strength and walks beside him. 
we encountered him trying to find information about his giant parents, who were killed before he was adopted into the Stone Clan, and were last seen in this area. He may be closer than he thinks, as new information on their totem was revealed in Episode 10, and may aid in his search. Eldrock, played by Dave, is a minotaur who has lost his memory and wanders in town of Winterhaven, hoping to meet someone who recognizes him or who can heal his broken memory. Impulsive and dim-witted, his strength and bravery lead him to act first and think later, and he can charge into the fray with abandon. He is the question mark of the party, as anything could happen in concerning him. Xanatari Darksbane, played by Genesee, is a Kalishtar warpriest with a storm specialty, and she has left her city and her people to search out the evil of the Dreaming Dark and defeat it as a rite of passage before she can return. She's heard rumors of a growing evil in Winterhaven. Impatient but clever, she's a woman of action and often runs into battle without taking the time for strategy. She has a fascination for Bortum, who is of a similar elvish look, but has no kin or tie, and seeks to connect with her fellow adventurers in the absence of family. The healer of the party, she prefers to do damage quickly and think after, and the policy of duty first, fun later, is prevalent. Tinzian will now summarize the travels of these characters and give us our direction for the future of the campaign. The characters have come together under the common banner of investigation, adventure, riches, and exploration in the medium-sized trading town of Winterhaven. It's a nexus hub of shipments from the three roads that pass through the town and onwards into other areas of the realm. This place is known to be somewhat odd in that it has a large history of both magic and yet personal strife. There is a keep upon the Shadowfell that is the former keep of the city militia and run by a paladin named Calarel. Calarel, many, many years ago, ran into uh, dark forces and the keep was um, destroyed from within by cultists. This blemish on the history of Winterhaven has not been forgotten, but for a time ignored, until recently strange magics have been begun happening in the area. Winterhaven, it's said, especially by the priestess, Lenora, who in the previous episodes was sometimes referred to as Marla, has noted that Winterhaven tends to attract people when it is in need, such is the case with this motley band of adventurers that have come together. Their opening time within the town of Winterhaven was met with Lenora, where they discussed the history of the area, and also soon found themselves under the banner of giving aid to an outlying farm. It was reported that the farm was under attack or some malady had befallen it, and Lenora had urged the party to uh, go and investigate with the promise that uh, information regarding their uh, individual quests would be forthcoming or at least aid given in the personal quests. The party being novices to the actual art of exploration, but yet still trained, with, trained enough within their home communities and their own adventures in getting here, set off as a group 
some looking over their shoulder, fearing a blade in darkness, others looking over their shoulder for potential time lost in their own quests. Others looked ahead for the sake of adventures, and in the case of Eldrock, some looked ahead just to avoid a tree. The party traveled a far longer time than seemed to be a mile outside of town where the alleged farm was under siege. They encountered a field that was entirely burned out after being attacked upon the road, where Kurik, the ranger, was taken by mysterious means from the party. This field, which was bordered by a rocky expanse of a large hill on one side, a mighty river on the far end, included a farmhouse, which was likely likewise destroyed, and a lone figure tilling the field. The party, after a degree of caution and observance to this scene, moved forward through the field and adjacent grassy areas until they were able to investigate the farmhouse. Finding the farmhouse ruined, they then explored further and uh, did investigate the farmer who was out in the fields uh, working his crops, but yet offered no callbacks to the calls of uh, hospitality or hello or any other sort of greetings. I believe at one point, including a rock, was thrown in his general direction. Fardy was able to determine that the farmer was a form of very low-level undead, perhaps a zombie, uh, that somehow was left to toil the fields, whether it was its original purpose in life or that had taken over, or some other more sinister goal uh, remains unknown, as Xanatari dispatched the uh, farmer back to the underworld. And shortly after, the party came across a small tool shed in the rear of the farmhouse, and in an effort to more quickly open the door and see what was inside, our mighty Minotaur did charge the door and in the process uh, trampled the uh, mage Bortem, who was tied, gagged inside on the floor. Thus the two met, and the uh, first actual true healing of the adventure took place. Truly a trial by fire. Bringing Bortem into the fray, I mean into the fold of the party, was advantageous, as he had filled out a needed, perhaps, gap uh, within the party. Despite having been trampled and faced with all sorts of odd questions, he took fairly quickly to the life of the traveling party, and while surprised, as were the others, when uh, darkness fell and flaming arrows were launched in their direction, he handled himself accordingly and provided distraction as the party sought to flee the farmhouse for the depths and shadows uh, so as to not give their pursuers in the field easy prey. Boredom, having distracted 
the uh, pursuers with ghostly sounds and illusional uh, sounds as well, was able to guide the party along with Daros Nightwalker as they encountered a group of unknown dog-type beasts using magic, melee, and a good sense of mayhem as a light spell would pop up in the middle of these dog groups only so that their last seconds of uh, view um, by these gnolls was of a charging minotaur uh, coming crashing into their ranks. This first combat was excellent and should be a uh, focal point for listening uh, in this particular adventure. Party, having dispatched this first group, did encounter another group and decided that it was time to find out what the source of these intruders was. There was, due to the local river nearby, the sounds of waterfalls. However, at times, these sounds went away. The party grew curious and eventually made their way to the foot of where the waterfall should be only to encounter that in this particular stead there was a cave of some kind located within the walls of um, the hillside. Proceeding inward, our party soon discovered that their actions did not meet their sounds, or, as some would say, sound was extremely delayed in this adventure. A footfall, a hooffall, a clanging of a weapon, would not elicit any sound, say maybe 30 seconds to a minute later, it would be heard after the party had passed. The party did encounter again a slight bit of resistance within the cave, and was able to, with proper Indiana Jones aplomb, rescue Kirk from the depths of a cell being guarded by the gnolls. This, very shortly thereafter, uh, upon his return, led into a large series of combat where the party again fought a number of gnolls, including a uh, gnoll berserker. And shortly thereafter, the, if you wish to call it, the boss of this present encounter, a large warg and a gnoll shaman. The party emerged victorious and soon made their return towards towards Winterhaven. The party arrived at Winterhaven, where the group split up, some going to find out the source of hostility between the others, one others looking for the source of potential magic within an item, a piece of armor that the party gained. Eventually, they were all called together and summoned to the presence of the priestess Lenora at the temple. Lenora, seeing the party a bit more experienced and laden with some degree of treasure, was somewhat curious as to where the party had gone because they had not reached uh, their original target of that was requesting aid, which was one of the farmhouses. The party challenged her in return, rebuking her for... Uh, her lack of information and 
disagreeing mightily with her choice in words to be having them be accusatory instead of helpful. Lenora was soon made to understand that this was another farm that had fallen under siege and was uh, a source of great peril. The fact that the Knolls were coming down from the north and had arrived so close to the town was most distressing. The fate of the original farmhouse is as yet unknown. The fate of the farmhouse where the party was is still as yet unknown. They are brought together and given some measure of information towards their quest. They were thanked for their time, but urged to go and equip themselves further into their, uh, so they could proceed further into their quest. The time of shopping was done, where supplies were gained, armor perhaps changed out, and other items sought which were at this time not available in town. Most notably, magical weapons, which apparently, according to some, are rumored to come through in sealed casks that simply pass through the town and onwards to other parts of the realm. At this point, in search of additional information regarding the armor, and just their own general curiosity, the party approaches a lone tower in the, cor the corner of town. This tower is not crowded by additional buildings. There are blast marks of fireballs or other explosions on the ground, but it does not seem to be a well-traveled area. And there the party, upon knocking at the door and encountering the most unusual doorbell, did encounter Nimbus the Mage. What type of mage Nimbus is is unclear. It's only that he sometimes had a tendency, or at least to the party, of getting ahead of himself, or perhaps getting ahead of the party themselves. The party is given, after a brief interrogation of Nimbus, an item that is of relevance to each. Some say, well, some might say that the items were just simply gifts back from themselves in the future, or something more nefarious is afoot. The party was all well taken aback by each of these items, but there was one who was missing, Eldrock. Eldrock was off on his own business, somewhere in town, having wandered off, perhaps maybe having found a clue as to his, his last time and origin. But right now, as the party is concerned, he is not with them. There is a rumor going about town after the last episode that Eldrock was seen banging on the door of the tower, having learned that his compatriots, the fellow members of his party, had been there and received items. Perhaps feeling that he too was due an item, he went to the tower, was seen knocking, and seen entering the tower. He has not been seen since. This leads us into our next episode. The party does not know where Eldrock is. The party has not been made aware of these rumors, but they do know that they have seen cultists at the farmhouse that they stopped at where they fought the gnolls. They have seen evidence that there are grave tidings afoot to keep the Shadowfell. Our party in our next episode will be traveling towards the keep. Perhaps it is a dungeon, perhaps it is merely just 
a hollow collection of rocks left for time to rot, and that there is indeed nothing ill will going on within its walls. These are the upcoming adventures of this party. So far, the adventurers have done quite well, but will they be able to handle the evils, or lack thereof, that await them? This is the conclusion of our recap episode. We'll probably do something like this every 10 or so, uh, just to keep ourselves and the listeners updated on where we've been and where we're hoping to go. Uh, just, I think, a good idea in general. Next week, we will continue with regular episodes, so look for us then. Thank you for listening. You can find out more at deathd4dishonor.com. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Twitter at deathd4. Please take a listen to the Gray Area podcast about advice and interviews on relationships between gamers, and also the Geek Bits podcast on regular guys talking about geeky stuff. One at grayareapodcast.com and the other at geekbits.net. You can find our D4 Maphook group and join for free, and we'll be posting pictures and fun stories there too. We also encourage the listeners to post pictures and share their D&D journeys with us. Join us for a worldwide adventure. Stay tuned for next week as we continue our travels.